right. Are you recording right now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this should be the intro. <laughs> Hi, I am Miles Fletcher, sitting here with my boy Akil Brown, and this is Headspin Radio. What's up, friends? How you doing, man? I'm good, bud. How are you, man? I'm living life, enjoying it, doing my thing. This week was one of those, uh, it's weird, it's always weird whenever you have uh, holidays fall in the middle of the week. Yeah, it messed everything up. Um... I didn't want to go back to do anything after Wednesday. I don't want to go back to work tomorrow. I don't ever want to go back to work. <laughs> no, yeah, it was. It's strange. I, I saw something online. Uh, it was like a meme, and it was like, "So, how are we supposed to celebrate? Like, do we party just on Wednesday? Do we party all week? Or it's pretty funny." I try to party every day anyway. <laughs> party like up. a rock star. Um. So, you want to kick this off? Let's go, man. Episode two. Number two. All right. So um, last time we spent pretty much the entire episode of speaking about um, what had happened in the week. So this time we're going to run through a few highlights of the week. And then we're going to try to uh, we have a couple of topics we want to talk about that will probably take up the, the majority of the episode. So um, kick things off. We want to talk about everybody's favorite subject right now of lebron james lebron james going to cali how do you feel about that man look man money makes the world go round. do what you need to do get your cheese you know what i mean like me not being a huge basketball uh enthusiast i guess so i can't speak like super educated on it but the dude is really really good Obviously, that's an understatement because he's, you know, in the, um, the argument of, you know, greatest of all time, X, Y, and Z, um, in comparison to Jordan or Kobe. But, like, the Lakers are legendary, bro. He's a legendary player. Why not? Yeah, no. Um, so, I'm probably going to piss a lot of people off right now. Yeah. Um, I feel like LeBron James is the best basketball player of all time already. Um, I know you can talk about championships and things like that, but um, from the perspective of his talent level, what he's accomplished, and the teams that he's carried and the things that he's done. I, I personally feel like he's the best of all time already. Um, there's a lot of people that are going to roll heads and try to <laughs> look me up. I'll probably get some death threats or something like that from this. But um, as far as him going to Lakers, man, I support LeBron pretty much all the time unless he's playing the Mavs. And then, um, you know, I'm a Dallas Mavericks fan, so uh, – I'll root for LeBron. I like I like that he went to the Lakers. Um, it's going to be interesting to see the dynamic with the balls and all that that are there. Um, I don't so much care for those guys, but hey, man, he's he's doing his thing. So he's going to go to Lakers. He'll probably I think I think they'll win a championship within two years. Um, that's my prediction. Just I mean, if you look at the team that he took this year, mm-hmm. I mean, it, he was playing with. There's nobody around him, man. Yeah, I mean, he carried the team. There, there's some yeah. good good names and stuff, but nobody was putting up points, and yeah. he, he carried that team. So, when you um, look at other um, elite NBA teams like you know Golden State, uh, <clears throat> the Rockets, you know what I mean? Like, it's a collective usually, right? Like yeah. There's 
multiple personalities, multiple, like there's a synergy that, that, um, comes together, but you're right, man. I think through and through he, he's like the most dominant force on, on, on some of those teams that he's played for, you know? So, yeah. And I, I was talking to my buddy, he's, um, he's a huge Cleveland guy. I think his, his dad grew up in Cleveland. Um, I grew up with him from like kindergarten. I've, I've known him my entire life. And, uh, I was asking him how, how he felt since he was through and through Cleveland guy. Like, that's all he roots for is Cleveland teams. And he was saying, you know, after the first time he left, he hated his guts. But once he came back and won the championships, and that kind of all went away. But now that he's leaving again, he's pretty much over him. And, you know, he's a traitor again and all that. So Oh, yeah, I'm sure some Cleveland Knights are going to burn his jersey. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> Um, so that's, that's all I got to say about LeBron. Just, um, interesting to see that he went to Lakers. Um, interested to see what he does there and how quickly he's able to win. I, I project, um, two years he'll be in the finals and, and win another one. And I'm going to root for that. So, um, next thing we have is, uh, World Cup, FIFA. We had, um, had another badass week. Man, we had a lot of action going on in FIFA. Um, again, my team, France, my boy, Eddie. Rooting for my France, my Frenchman, uh, beat Uruguay 2-0. It was a pretty good game. It was a lot of fun to watch. Uh, Brazil lost to Belgium 2-1 with a upset. Dude, that that the end of that game was uh, awesome. I, I, mean, didn't, I didn't get to watch it. Um, I, I caught glimpses of it here and there. So They were um, – I honestly thought that they were going to be able to tie it up. Um, but like, cause like they were attacking a lot, um, in that last, that last period, man. But, uh, I don't know again, a big, that's like Brazil, right? When you think of like professional soccer, those guys. Yeah. That's, that's who you think of when you think of FIFA world cup, so, at least for people that don't another, regularly watch it. So another powerhouse is out. So it's stacking up. I mean, dude, these semis are going to look legit. Yeah, for sure. Um, then we had England over Sweden two zero, and then Russia lost to Croatia, um, on penalties. Uh, I think it was tied 2-2 and then uh, originally ended up winning 4-3, I mm-hmm. believe. So, um, Next up, they're going to be Belgium at France. Uh, that's Tuesday at 1 p.m. And then Croatia, England. Uh, that's uh, Wednesday at 1 p.m. as well. So that's yeah. it for soccer, man. Um, also had some fights going on. Yes, sir. Last night was uh, was crazy. Um, considered one of the super fights for for MMA and uh, that was between uh, Daniel Cormier DC uh, against uh, Stipe Miocic and uh, that was the, the crazy thing about it is uh, DC is the light heavyweight champion right currently so he went up to heavyweight um, ended up beating Stipe which you know uh, was the champion super quick first round knockout bro yeah so it's weird because they're both great athletes. Uh, I think this solidifies DC as being like, whenever you talk about someone like the greatest of, of all time, he's definitely going to be that conversation now. Um, and he's been there forever. Like he, he's been in the UFC forever. Like yeah, yeah. So it's cool to see. I mean, he's he's like in the last couple minutes of the fourth quarter of his career. You know what I mean? So you know, metaphorically speaking. So uh, he's actually he said that he's going to be retiring next uh, March. I think. Yeah, well, when he, he fought um, the Spider, when was that, last year? Late last year? And he lost. The Spider? Anderson Silva? Anderson Silva, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
and they were he was talking yeah. about retiring back yeah, yeah, then yeah. so yeah that's because um, he got his ass whooped right <laughs> so but yeah so he said that that timeline is still um on the the books man march he's gonna be making his exit but you know for a guy like that dude he's still gonna contribute to the sport i imagine he's probably uh, probably gonna become like a commentator you know somewhere and uh still be involved but um you know shout out to him dude like Miocic is not an easy task at all. That dude is a beast. Like, he ripped through that heavyweight class and, uh, you know, had a couple of title defenses. So, um, good to see, man. Dude's got two belts now, and he's on cloud nine. So, first round knockout, though. Like, and did you see his face? Did you see Miocic's, uh, Stipe's face? Uh, messed him up. Bro, bro. So, some people were saying uh, that there was... I don't know that he was explicitly or like intentionally cheating. Uh, there was like an eye poke. And so they said that that gave him the advantage to be able to, you know, um, to beat Stipe. But look, man, at the end of the day, that's how fights go sometimes. On the drop of a dime, a fight can change, you know. So that was good, though. And now what? He's going to fight Brock Lesnar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. Um Funny that you say that, though, because as an MMA enthusiast, the UFC already is kind of considered like a uh, not it, in terms of exposure for the sport. It is obviously the biggest, right? Um, when you think of MMA, you automatically think of UFC, UFC. Like a lot of people don't think of like Strike Force or, you know, like uh, the Grand Prix and stuff like that from like days of, of the old. But um f- what I don't like is these guys train so incredibly, like, you know, intense. They eat, sleep, and breathe, you know, training and fighting. And for me, like, for Dana and, like, for them to bring in that that whole uh, WWE wrestling, wrestling kind of vibe into a man, like, it waters, it waters down not only the organization, but also respect for the sport. So, let's back up real quick. Why don't you explain to people that didn't see it what happened with Lesnar coming into sure. the ring and all that. So, after um, after DC, you know, won and, you know, they announced uh, him, you know, taking the belt. You know, they, they, they um, interviewed him, whatever. And so, he's like, you know, this is great. You know, he's again on cloud nine. And then, Brock Lesnar storms into the, into the, into the octagon, rather. And well, uh, he actually called him out. Who's that? Uh, Cormier. Sorry, sorry. I'm getting ahead of myself. Yes, you're correct. But the thing is, though, is anyone watching that knew it was fucking staged. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. <laughs> like, Rega- regardless of how it yeah. happened, it was staged. But yeah, um, yeah Cormier did call him out. And- so, so he calls him out, and here comes Brock Lesnar. Uh, and for those of you that don't know, he's already made an attempt to be like a fighter. I called it from the very beginning, dude. He does not. Dude's athletic, he's strong, he's huge, but he's not a fighter. And he doesn't have the heart of a fighter. Yeah. So, Cain Velasquez is one of my favorite, absolute favorite fighters of all time. And I love to see whenever he decimated Brock Lesnar, bro. Like, straight disrespected him. You know what I mean? So, um, so what I'm saying is, is now that Brock Lesnar's coming back to make a second appearance in, the, in, in UFC, um, again, it takes away from just how pure and how serious MMA and like the art is. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't have a problem with him making a comeback or whatever you want to call it. Um, and if that, that part sells tickets and giving him a fight, maybe he doesn't deserve. Yeah. That sucks for the other fighters that work 
their ass off to Absolutely, get there. Absolutely, dude. Like it should. I don't mean to cut you off, but it should be. It should go without saying that Stipe would be DC's next fight would be a rematch against Stipe. You you would think so. You know right? what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, the part that I have the problem with though is if that was a staged invite somebody into the ring and shove and push match and um that part of it i don't like at all um as far as the fight like if you want to give him a fight to to boost sales or whatever then it sucks for everybody else but i understand that at the end of the day it's a business um it should be you know a lateral a lateral system to get mm-hmm. to the next fight or mm-hmm. rematches and things like that but um i can deal with that uh i i hope cormier um beats lesnar like dude i don't see um Again, since, since you and I and pretty much anybody with eyes uh, saw that it was pretty staged, it, I, it'd be hard-pressed to see him lose to Brock on his way out before he retires. Like, that would be so shitty, bro. Yeah, that'd be devastating. <laughs> <It would laughs> yeah, suck, absolutely, man. So, um, well, so you know, if you look at uh, some things in the, in the recent past, right, you had, like, personalities like um, Ronda Rousey, right? Ronda Rousey, she... In my opinion, and people might come at me for this, but <laughs> dude, she was overrated. She was a cash cow for UFC. Um, I don't want to say that she w- didn't have the heart of a champion, but she—you could tell that like it faded pretty quick. Um, to me, she was a one-trick pony. Yeah, it faded in one fight, one one <laughs> loss, and like, yeah. fucking she went off the deep end. Yeah, she went 2007 Britney Spears. <laughs> Probably she didn't shave her head. So, <laughs> God. So, yeah, so, and then you see her, and, you know, in order for her to stay relevant, you know, she starts acting, you know what I mean, getting her money over there. Now she's, you know, in WWE, CM Punk came over uh, <laughs> to UFC as well. But what I'm saying is, is you start to see this trend in the UFC where um, all the politics are starting to, it, dude, there's politics everywhere. But when it's apparent and it's out in the open like that, like, it, dude, for, for, like, the diehard fan, it's a turnoff, man. Yeah, um... It, it makes me think of sports in general. You think of the NFL. Mm-hmm. NBA. NBA. Mm-hmm. They're huge. They're entertainment companies. That's mm-hmm. what they are. Like um, The game is what it is, and it's a great thing to watch. But if you really pay close attention to what's going on in it, um, there's always something that's going on to push uh, media and sales and money and everything like that. So. And, and, and that's not to take anything away from WWE, right? I mean... Again, like you said, with it being a business, do what you need to do to maximize your profits. Um, those guys are athletes, too, and girls are, are athletes as well. They train hard for what they do. Uh, but let's just be real. That shit's fake. You know what I'm saying? So so for the, the, the realism of UFC, the level of um, commitment and you know sacrifice that these fighters go through, man, uh, again, I, I feel like it's going to kind of wash uh, some of what... MMA is. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I, I don't. I, I don't. I don't understand what the MMA, MMA or UFC specifically could do differently. Um, to, I mean, they're already one of the largest sports franchises, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still not. Um, or maybe it is. I don't know. What you, you probably know this more than it's when it compares to like the NFL and NBA and stuff like that. Does it compare at all? Is it? Mm, you mean in terms of like following? Like yeah, like if, if the crowds that go to an MMA fight, they're not in comparison to a NFL game. 
Um, I think, that's a good I, question. I think, You're have to look that up, man. But uh, if, if I remember right, um, just watching or listening to uh, Joe Rogan's podcast, um, I want to say like some of the the big sellouts are like thirty. 30 to 60,000, somewhere in that range. I mean, like, what's the capacity of Mandalay Bay? Dude, Mandalay Bay sold out every, damn there, every card. Um, probably within that range, 30, 60, somewhere around so, there. So, yeah, I mean. And some of the NFL games are 80, 90, 100, sure. depending on yeah. what games and stuff it is. So, But then you also got to look at, like, pay-per-view. You know, right. Um, yeah. And the viewership and, and all that stuff. So, obviously, just, like, boxing depending on who's fighting, you know, was going to draw uh, different numbers. But um, it'd be interesting to see the numbers comparison, like yeah. um, NFL primetime games on cable yeah. TV, um, getting paid by advertisements and blah, 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 versus um, pay-per-view mm-hmm. sales and um, selling out arenas and things like that. Like what I mean, the business plan and profits and stuff like that look like in comparison. I don't want to assume, but I, I'm sure NFL probably smokes MMA when it comes to that. Maybe. I don't, I don't know. Like Monday Night Football and you know, Thursday Night Football, you would, stuff you like that. You would assume still. so just because of the numbers. But yeah. like you brought up, though, people are paying, what, 50 bucks a pay-per-view yeah. or 100 bucks, depending on mm-hmm. what the fight is. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It'd be interesting to look at. Yeah. If you have 100 million pay-per-view you know, orders or whatever the case is, you know, like it starts to stack up real quick. Um, so yeah it's uh but anyway yeah so um again congrats to dc that that was a amazing feat uh one more thing regarding this john jones has to be fucking pissed off right now (laughs) to see his poor decisions where it took him right because i mean john jones called dc's card you know what i mean like he, he, he he wrecked that boy so Technically, that could be John Jones enjoying what DC is enjoying right now. Granted, every fight's different, so you never know. But so a while ago, I said Spider. That's who I was talking about. John Jones. When John Jones fought Cormier, oh yeah, and he beat him. Yes, and then he had to give up his his win because he tested positive after mm-hmm. or whatever it was. That, that's the that's the fight I was talking about. And, and, and so, like, I'm like the most one of the most like least judgmental people. Uh, that you'll ever meet and you know this but um look man i get it like we all screw up you know you you make poor decisions whatever the case is but um where i was a huge john jones fan and uh dude it was fun to watch man man that again he's got you have to consider him as one of like the greatest fighters you know athletes in 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 mma um but to see him reach that pinnacle and become what he had worked so hard to do then to throw it away for for that the first time because so you're familiar with uh <clears throat> whenever he got into that accident and he hit the pregnant woman yeah right so that mm-hmm. was the first time mm-hmm. and then i guess he had like drugs or something yeah. in the car right and so he was like a hit and run so he took off right so dude who's to say like that lady wasn't injured or her baby you know what i'm saying like like that bad g- life decision dude gave me a terrible taste in, in my mouth about him right but again i wrote it off hey man you know we make we make uh poor decisions then he comes back dude right and screws up again and test positive i'm like bro <laughs> at this point like because the thing is you're not just john jones man like you are 
a you have kids that look up to you. You have kids that are going to their dojos and going to train because they want to be like I you. Want to be like you? Yep, yeah, dude. exactly. So you threw it all away for what? So now DC is just out here, just living his best life. You know what I mean? Um, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, double freaking uh, weight class belt holder. That's fire, bro. Yeah. That that's I'm assuming that's what John Jones wanted to do. But and he could have. Yeah, I think absolutely. Yeah, I so, I, I personally well he he beat him, so I, I was gonna say I, I feel like he's a, a better fighter than Cormier. He is a better fighter than Cormier. Now, the only thing is, though, man, is uh, fighting light heavy to heavyweight, that's a big jump. Big jump, yeah. So, like, the power. He has a little bit more uh, thickness to him. Yeah. So, like, he probably walks around, I'm sure he probably walks around, like, 220. Who? John. Because he fights 205. Yeah. yeah. So, but yeah. So, well, it sucks to suck. John Jones, if you ever hear this, could have been you, man. But. Hats off to my guy, DC. Hope it was some good blow. <laughs> so um, so what are we talking about today, man? Um, we are going to talk about... Let's start with social media. Social media in the world we live in today. I think it's a very pertinent uh, conversation topic. So the reason I, I wrote this down was because I was driving to work. And on the way to work, I'm on Instagram, I'm on Facebook, um, I'm looking, I'm swiping, I'm liking pictures, I'm trying to tag some shit, I'm trying to post a selfie driving down the fucking road. Like, Guilty. Um, and and as, as I was driving down the road and I put my phone down, I was like, dude, like, how much time do I spend on this phone? And then a little bit deeper of thought was you know how is this affecting my life like um the the things that i'm seeing the things that i'm putting out there um the perceptions like how much does it actually get into my mind drive me um and affect the person that i am and then not only who i am but maddox the the people around me the you know the things that i'm saying the things mm-hmm. that i'm doing mm-hmm. like um i don't know so i, I kind of just went down this little rabbit hole of thought on my little drive to work. And uh, so I wrote it down. I wanted to talk about social media and um, the thing, the way it plays into our lives today. So, man, it's scary uh, when you think about what it's become, right? Um, <laughs> so I guess we're not like super old, right? But in the, in the, in the, <laughs> in comparison to like technology or, you know, just uh, the access to things, you think about like the MySpace days, right? MySpace was cool. You know, you had your page and, you could actually like i felt like i was uh like a part-time coder you know like you could actually like insert script and you know just totally trick out your page and you could put like music on there cool but it was a different vibe back then i feel too so now um you see just how big like facebook instagram you know what i mean like twitter um it's almost like an like a it's almost like an alter ego like it's a persona right um yeah for sure like uh, for, for, for a lot of people right a lot of people i'd say for most people um <clears throat> because as humans we like to uh kind of project like the good things in life the right? best of the best yeah so like you're wow. not you're not gonna see someone posting about um taking a shit <laughs> 
Well, you might. That was kind of funny. You might see <laughs> I mean, that. shit. Half the time, dude, that's when we're checking. That's when we're checking it, right? But um, but no. So I I, I say that because um, it's powerful, man. You know, like especially in the age of um, like right now, right? We see things that are retweeted and reshared, and you know, uh, memes and 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 just all those different things, and how it can affect you know people's outlooks and the way that they think, how they interact and get along with other people, you know? Um, so, you know, the, the cognitive bias does come in and we, we briefly talked about this, uh, when we did the, the live recording a few weeks ago, but, um, you see something, right. And your, your biases are automatically going to, I guess, kind of teach or show you how you're going to deal with that. Mm-hmm. Right. You make right someone that you respect, um, you may write them off completely because it goes against like your belief or, you know, um, the biases that you already possess versus maybe like fact checking it or looking into it, researching it. Maybe there's some validity to whatever they're posting, but because, you know, you're staunch anti whatever, um, you know, you just completely write it off. And I feel like that's, it's dangerous, man. And I feel like a lot of times that's what's continuing to drive the wedge between people, you know? Yeah, and it goes the other way too, right? So you see people um, posting all these perfect pictures, mm-hmm. and um, gotta get your angles right, man. Gotta get your angles right. You gotta have <laughs> have your nice clothes on. Yeah, um, sporting some fancy jewelry, mm-hmm. or um, they there's a a lot of people go do photo shoots, mm-hmm. and they're sitting in fancy cars and mm-hmm. mansions and all this other bullshit, and you're like, man. I, I, I want to be like that or I'm not going to have a chance with a girl like that or um, whatever it is. And that's completely not reality at all. Mm-mm. That's um, some hag chick that puts a shit ton of makeup on that knows how to take a picture with the right angles yeah. or has a good photographer that photoshopped the shit out of it or and goes to people's houses to take and they're paying them to go to that house mm-hmm. and sit in their car. Yeah. Um, and, and not to say that everybody that does that is not an attractive person, but um, nine times out of ten, that's not reality. Yeah. And it, it, it's sad, man. It's sad to see that um, that people don't realize that. A lot of people think that because they see it on the internet or they see it in their feed or whatever it is, that's that's what that person is. That's yeah. who they are. Like, that's, oh, my God, this person's awesome. I want to be like that. Well, actually, you don't because they live with their parents. Yeah. And, you know, they drive a Toyota Celica or yeah. whatever wrecked ass F two fifty, like yeah. whatever it is, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so I don't know. No, that's um <clears throat> that it's valid, man, because but there's so many other like uh intangibles that, that, that branch off of that. And what I mean by that is for the younger generation that are coming up and they're seeing these things. Right, it's giving them like false levels of of expectations. Right, for little girls, they see these IG models. You know, what I mean, shaking their ass, or you know, what I'm saying like, uh, and uh, I'm not knocking anyone trying to get their money, whether you're a model or you know whatever. Do what you got to do. But for these kids that are coming up, they feel like that's the level that they need to aspire to be. Like the girl, she's she needs to uh, dress provocatively. In order to get likes or to get you know dudes to talk to her the boys you know they feel like they have to put on uh some sort of like just whether it's being like more macho or you know what i'm saying like, like uh, a front or whatever. On a front, yeah yeah um 
just to kind of keep up with the Jones, the Joneses, man. And it's like you said, it's unrealistic and it's really unhealthy. Um, but fuck, it feels good when you get a little heart like, you know? Yeah, man. You get like a dopamine rush. That's what it's about. How many <laughs> likes can I get in a day? Yeah. Which is why we're always constantly checking our phones. You talked about, you know, how much time you spend on your phone, bro. It's like a, another appendage at this point, a little crack pipe in my hand. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, a buddy of mine and yours, Nathan, did you see, uh, he posted an article about like the effect like of, well, not the effect, but how often we're checking our phones and the addiction that it's, uh, become. I didn't see it. Yeah. It's pretty interesting, man, because like I'm guilty of it a hundred percent. Most people are. And, um, sitting, I noticed it a lot going out to eat or going places with people. Mm-hmm. You, uh, you sit down to, to have a conversation, have dinner whatever it is. And there's a lot of time that if that phone's on the table or insight or easy access, if it's not in your pocket or purse, most of the time you're going to check it, mm-hmm. you know, pick it up and look at it. Oh, and then the nothing. food comes and you got to take a picture of your food. <clears throat> right. And then, um, you got to post a selfie and mm-hmm. you got to do this and you got to do that. And, it, it takes away from the personal interactions mm-hmm. in your reality of, of what you're doing in life. And you're, you're constantly worried about, again, that perception of social media and what you look like and what people think about you and can I get a like for this. And um, it's kind of sad, man. Um, rather than, than spending some time with the person that you're sitting with and getting some direct feedback from them or yeah. having a, a deep conversation, yeah. um, talking about something meaningful, meaningful, um, I don't know. It's it's kind of scary to think about our kids, like what the next step is. Cause it, like you said, we're not that old, but in high school we didn't have this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, MySpace came out, I think, right after we graduated high school, not too far after. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, I don't even think I had a cell phone until I was like seventeen. Yeah. And it was right. like maybe I could send. I don't even know that I could text. I think it was just calls. I could play snake on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're, you're dating yourself, man. Uh, no, I, dude, I got my first cell phone when I was, uh, yeah, like 17, 18, man. And um, I mean, like media, like sending media messages or um, to be able to browse the internet, dude, like it was nowhere near like it is right now. Uh, for me as a parent, uh, this is something that, that I battle with because there's times when I'm at home. And that's like perfect time to be chilling with the boys or, you know, with my wife, man. And I find myself, I find myself just like spending endless amounts of time scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. And, uh, for what, you know what I mean? Like my boys are going to be, they're not going to be boys for, for long, you know, like these are all, uh, precious moments that we could be using to interact with them, create more memories. And, you know, I'm not saying like I neglect my kids or anything, you know what I'm saying? To, to, to get on Facebook or whatever. But, um, the point that I'm making is, is like, there's a lot of wasted time that we could be putting into doing something like this. Right. Mm-hmm. Or, um, you know, talking to someone in person, like you said, and getting that interpersonal in your face, uh, communication with someone, man. It, like, it's just something that's being lost. Yeah, um, 
what I was going to say while it goes, I, I, I'm fearful for what our kids have to deal with. 20, year, 20 years ago, or however long it was, uh, not quite 20 years, but when we were in high school, we didn't have these things. We, didn't have, we barely had cell phones. Um, then once we get out, we get MySpace. That's cool. You design a page, put some music up. People can post a couple of little comments or whatever, and that was kind of all it was. Mm-hmm. It wasn't on your phone yet. Um, and then you get MySpace and it starts getting on your phone. Then you get phones that have full screens mm-hmm. and colors. And just if you think about the time from like when we were in high school to now, the progression of time that we spend on a device, it just the curve continues to climb and mm-hmm. escalate. So <clears throat> that is something that I, um, especially when it comes to my boys, I'm pretty cognizant of, man. Uh, like we don't do, uh, you know, they both have iPads. It's not a lot at the dinner table. Um, you know, we try to monitor how much time they spend in front of the TV on their on their um, on their iPads and stuff. And I'll be honest with you, man. For my big boy, for um, a long time, he was like, when I would tell him to get off of it, like you could see that it was like he was actually like hurt by it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Whereas like when I was a kid, my my parents say, you know, to do something. Gone. Yeah. yeah. Like, all right, mom. Yeah, I got you. Whereas, like, it, like you could, it looked like it hurt him. Like, I just like yelled at him or screamed at him, and all I said was like, "Bro, it's time to get off your iPad." You kicked his dog. Yeah. So it's just weird because um, there are some studies with that as well, and how basically they're saying that um, copious amounts of time spent on these devices, like it's actually rewiring our brains and, and, and whatnot, man, and um, it can lead to depression in like children. Uh, that's why kids in the grocery store or at restaurants, when they start acting up, what do you see these parents do? Here, here, watch this movie. Yeah, yeah. Let me pull up Netflix on my phone for you. Straight up. I mean, and for the for you know for the middle class or most of America, parents are working. You know, Monday through Friday, we already have limited time with our family as it is. So we go out to dinner, and that should be time that you're spending. You know you know, increasing the bonds or whatever the case is with your family and stuff. But then you give your kid the screen and they're sitting there just glued to the screen. So it's scary, man. Um, there's a show on Netflix called, uh, black mirror. Have you heard of that? Yeah. Yeah. I've heard of it. I don't think I've watched it though. So the premise of the show, each, uh, episode is, uh, independent from each other. But there was one episode, man, where, uh, kind of set in the future and there is this uh, social network like program that pretty much has permeated every area of of our lives so you get rated by other people and your rating affects like your credit score it affects um, uh, different things that you have access to and it was just super strange because there was like that parallel to what we're going through today, right? It seemed far-fetched, but it really wasn't that far-fetched because we're like, dude, what if they do this? What if what if that's where social media is going? Right. You know what I mean? You never know. It's a badass episode. I forget the name of the episode, but uh Black Mirror. Everybody check of, that out. I'm gonna write that down. The name of, yeah, the name of the show is Black Mirror. Um I believe it was the season premiere of episode or excuse me, of uh, season three. Um, very interesting stuff, but it's a re- that's a very good show, by the way. If you've never seen it, I implore you to check it out. All right, so um, 
this kind of ties into the social media, but you were talking about um, NPR earlier and some of the things that they were posting on, uh, I guess it was Twitter yeah. that they were posting yeah. on. Man. <laughs> NPR <laughs> reached like savage level trolling on uh, July 4th. So <clears throat> basically what happened, man, is on July 4th on Independence Day, uh, NPR started posting like uh, various texts from uh, the, the United States Constitution, but there was no context, right? So uh, I think it was like 113 different um, tweets, and so each one had a different line from the uh, Constitution, and people were getting like triggered, man. Like people were getting pissed off uh, and angrily reacting to them posting what was being posted, right? Stuff from the from the Constitution. So it was just crazy because I'm like, bro, they're trolling the shit out of everybody right now, and I don't even know if it was intentional. But excuse me, as the day went on, it was like a hundred and something uh, tweets, and people are just like in their feelings about it. One in particular said, uh. So, it, the uh, the reference was uh, a prince whose character is thus marked by every act which may define a tyrant is unfit to be the ruler of a free people, right? Straight from the constitution. Straight from the constitution. People like lost their minds. They were like, um, you know, you guys are just like promoting propaganda, and you know, this is the liberal fake media, fake news at it again. Uh, try supporting a man who wants to do something about the injustice in this country. Uh, they were just going in. And finally, eventually, like people started catching on. But to your point, a lot of these people consider themselves like patriotic and, uh, <clears throat> you know. Uh, are all about you know uh, America and, and and whatnot, but this is literally the founding document of our sovereignty. Our founding fathers wrote all this stuff, so obviously without context, people took it a certain way because of their biases, kind of what we were talking about before, not knowing that it came from the freaking Constitution. Straight from the Constitution, you know. Yeah. So it was hilarious, man, because like as you're watching this thing play out and you're seeing all these uh, replies and uh, just people, you know, getting butthurt over it. It was hilarious. Yeah, well, when you were uh, when you were talking about that, I was thinking to the social point or social media point of people get on here and they again they have no context to what is being posted. It's whether it's a girl that's posting pictures of her modeling or doing whatever she is, and that's all she posts and that's what she portrays herself to be, or a guy in the gym working out and only post pictures when he's um, in cutting season or, or whatever, you know, but not when he's bulking not up. when he's bulked up and walking around eating cheeseburgers and has yeah. a big old belly on him or whatever it is. Um, and then to this point, somebody posts something, regardless of if it's from the Constitution or um, just a fact or even if it's opinion, the first thing somebody does is take their pre preconceived notions in their head of um, their agenda or what they feel is being portrayed mm -hmm. and they're going to react to it and yeah man it's, it's fucking hilarious you, you have people saying that you know it's 
lobbying and um, <coughs> liberals and um, bro, it's just it's just crazy to think that a simple text in this specific case from the Constitution gets that many people to just start talking shit. So check this out. One of the one one of the tweets was uh, it says it is the right of the people to alter or abolish it and to institute new government. So one of the replies, the dude says, so NPR is calling for a revolution. Interesting way to condone the violence while trying to sound patriotic. Your implications are clear. So, no! so, <laughs> so my thing is, is like, dude, have I read every single line of uh, the United States constitution? No, most people haven't. Right. So to be fair, I, I get it. But you can clearly, I, I guess, for me, sometimes I don't see how people aren't able to decipher, like, the difference between things. Right. Like, well, I, I think in those tweets, they put quotations on that stuff. Not always. No? I thought they did on it. Not always. So... Again, and so the thing is, is like the way that the founding fathers wrote, like there were certain things that they emphasized. So they would like capitalize certain words or whatever, you know. And so NPR, they were tweeting it just as is in the Constitution. So by them, by the founding fathers emphasizing certain things, NPR retweeting it at people's first glance, they're thinking that it was NPR that was emphasizing, emphasizing those words. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it, it, uh, it's very funny. If you go to NPR's Twitter, if you have Twitter, go to NPR um, and just go back to the fourth on Wednesday and just spend a few minutes taking a look at it. I think you'll get a, a laugh your ass off. Definitely laugh out of it. Um, anything else about social media that you can think of? I feel like we could talk about this probably all day and just come oh, up absolutely. with random stuff. Absolutely, man. I mean, at the end of the day, um, if, if, if there was one piece of anything that I could put out there in regards to social media... Is fact check. Fact check. It doesn't take any time at all. You can literally find out any piece of written, recorded information in like two seconds. You know what I mean? So when you see these memes that say, you know, um, you know, uh, Donald Trump wants to, you know, um, send kids to concentration camps or, you know what I'm saying? Like, dude, read, just read. It's not hard. And I'm not saying to go just, you know, spend hours researching things, but you can literally find something that can. But the only problem is now is in the age that we live, you can find things that people will create to support a certain argument. What is right? it? Yeah. Um, so it, it is hard, but that's why you have to kind of look at different um, different outlets. You know what I mean? And, and, and let your conscience or let your uh, intelligence kind of decipher it. Um because you see all these like super polarized uh, memes that, that come out from like occupied Democrats or, you know, um, if I see something that someone shares something from like uh, the conservative patriot, you know, like I'm assuming it's going to be pretty biased. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, uh, but yeah, you know, just fact check stuff, man. It's it's not hard. I saw one, um, I guess, apparently one of the like campaign advisors for, for Trump uh, got indicted on like uh, human trafficking. Mm. in kentucky man um for like one of like the regional kentucky uh campaign offices so i mean i i don't even know if trump ever met this guy or like he didn't appoint the guy or anything like that but what i'm saying is is like 
they make it seem like yeah, they make it seem as like that was like his best friend. His homeboy, yeah. yeah, you know what I'm saying. So, um, but I mean, it doesn't take away from the fact that the dude did get inside, indicted for human trafficking, and I yeah. think it was like uh, um, coercing like a minor to perform sexual acts, and yeah. like it's it's pretty wild. Um, <clears throat> but uh, but yeah, so biggest thing, guys, is just fact check. Um, oh, it's really not that hard. I want to give some advice. Put your phones down. Talk to your family. Talk to your friends. Go do something else besides sit on your fucking phone and take pictures. Um, I'm horrible at it, but I'm trying to get better. And I think if you if you spend a little bit more time talking to the people around you, um, I think that will help solve some of the problems that we're facing that social media... <coughs> Damn, that's loud. <coughs> Sorry. Um, that social media feeds into... Um, having to pull up something and fact check something um we, we were talking about it earlier um our, our government of a lot of people don't know the representatives that represent them and just oh yeah dude people can tell you more about what's going on in in, in hollywood but they can't tell you who the freaking speaker of the house is or right. you know who their state representative is right you know so um oh, i agree with that 100 percent. so the things that are being posted on social media you have to go and fact check and you have to do this and that but at the end of the day if we were just speaking with our neighbors and our friends and our family um growing as a person a lot of these problems that we're facing would fix themselves we don't have to worry about the government trying to fix everything for us like you were talking about so put your phones down have some conversations and fact check and fact check mother <laughs> Yeah, I mean, when it comes to social media, man, um, I, like, like, you know, people are projecting, um, like, their best life online, and, and, and cool, like, there's nothing wrong with that, man. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that, um, because I think for a lot of people, uh, the social network is a way to keep in touch with friends, family, you know what I mean? Like, I've got friends and family all over the place, so... Of course, we want to share like our happiest moments with our family and the, the ones that we love. But um, there are some people, you know, that are out there, as you know, that, you know, kind of take it to the next level and are so extra, bro. Like all that shit is not necessary to be see right through that. Right. So um, and that's not to say, like, you know, posting a selfie here and there or, you know, when I'm feeling fresh or, you know, uh, hey. you know, I, I get it. We're all guilty of, of it, man. But like there's got to be a balance. You know what I mean? Like. It, it, it's it's like an epidemic, man, at this point. Yeah, it's crazy. And what's that balance? Who's to determine that, right? I guess it, it, it's all individuals. But... It's totally subjective. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, social networking is so uh, powerful, and it can be used for so many good things. Like, you see, like, these crowdsources and the GoFundMes for um, different things. So it can be used for, like, amazing things but in the same breath for the most part we use it to get some likes you know make ourselves feel a little bit better and uh you know chase the chase that instant gratification man but um i don't know i just hope it doesn't become like that episode of black mirror that i was talking about because that shit was a while right? <laughs> you're gonna have to watch it man yeah i'm gonna check it out um i think I think we'll wrap it up for social media. I don't have much more to go on that. I feel like we'll 
I'll just talk in circles about the same thing. So um, we'll wrap that one up. I think um, you had sent me a video via Facebook Messenger this week. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't remember the exact title, but it was something along the lines of talking white mm-hmm. or um, projecting yourself speaking in a different manner. Mm-hmm. So I sent that to you because um, uh, as someone who has been, I guess, like told that or accused of doing that. Um, you have, know, have you really? <laughs> absolutely, man. Uh, be white, you mother. You know, so so the I thought it was I thought it was important because for one, I can um, I can what's the word I'm looking for? I can totally understand and kind of relate to it it. yeah um so the video was uh it said um basically it was covering what's referred to as linguistic profiling so contingent on the situation that you're in um basically changing the way that you speak to benefit to give you the the the, the max benefit right um and in, in particular they were talking about blacks uh who at different times you know use different forms of speech so, you know, they were talking about, I guess, you know, um, having a white voice or uh, at, at other times not speaking in that white voice, you know, almost like a customer service, you know, uh, you answer the phone or, you know, when you're talking, you know, if you're in a professional setting, um, using that white voice, right? So, growing up, um, so my mom, uh, well, let me back up. Trinidad was colonized by... England mm-hmm. by Great Britain. So in the like the vernacular, the dialect of Trinidad is very like Queen's English. Okay. Right? Um it is obviously heavily accented, but it's based off of like Queen's English. So very proper. So is there a mix between like the island language and the English proper? Like No, English is the uh is the main language. Really? Of yeah, of Trinidad. Okay. Because again, they were colonized by, the, by the English. Mm-hmm. So there are so there's different areas of the Caribbean. Um, you know, you have like the Dutch West Indies, the British West Indies, uh, French, and, and whatnot. So um, just contingent on the historic, the I guess the historical context or who colonized what area is what they speak. So, um, so I, I premise it that way because that is part of the reason why that I speak the way that I do, mm-hmm. right? Not only that, but my mom was very, very big on grammar mm-hmm. and uh, the way that I spoke. Uh, my mom was an educator for many years. She uh, retired as an uh, administrator, as a, as a counselor. Uh, education was something that was very important to her. So I was always getting corrected at home in terms of, you know, if I spoke incorrectly, uh, you know, used the wrong grammar, whatever. Uh, during the summers, I had to read books and do, uh, you know, book reports. You know, um, just so my mom would, you know, she, she would keep my, my brain fresh and not let it turn into sludge sitting in front of the TV for the entire summer. So I say that to say, I hate that term, though, talking white, because growing up in Katy, which for those of you who aren't familiar with that part of town in the 90s was predominantly white. Mm. Right. And 99 percent of who you are. Is based on your environment. You know what I mean? If I if we would have stayed in New York, and I stay if if, if I grew up in in uh, uh, Brooklyn off Flatbush, 
I wouldn't sound like this, right? Right. So, but I hate the term talking white because speaking intelligently and speaking proper is not something that is specific to white people. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yep. I totally get, I, I, I get where the video was coming from because yeah, there are times when I do that and, I, and I'm very aware of it, but it's conscious and it's intentional. When I'm in a professional setting and I'm talking to my VP or I'm talking to one of my directors, why would I talk to him the way that I talk to you? Right. Or to one of my homeboys. What up, my guy? Exactly. Right? That would not be conducive to what I'm trying to do in my professional life. It's not professional. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So different situations will dictate different uh, approaches. And like there I just like dude, I've heard it all. Uh, I've been called fake, you know what I mean? Like uh, whitewashed, you name it. But uh, I, I look back and I'm like, the people who used to say that, like, then this isn't me trying to like toot my own horn or anything like that, but the people who think like that, ignorance. Usually not successful. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, so uh, when, you were, when you were just saying that, I was thinking back to episode one when we were talking about, um, I brought up why I didn't like Kanye. And there was a point of almost a reverse racism of um, white people or other races taking black culture and, you know, embracing that. And there's that kind of reverse uh, racism towards white people because... um, Appropriating black culture. Right, exactly. So when you were saying that, that's exactly what I was thinking about. It's just kind of reversed of they're doing it to you because you're taking a professional standpoint of mm-hmm. the way that you talk, the way that you dress, blah, blah, blah. So you're, you're a sellout because you're not embracing mm-hmm. the black culture or mm-hmm. whatever. Right. So that's kind of where my head went when you were saying that, which is crazy though, because for people that know me, right. Uh, and, and have seen me in different settings. Um, he says, why does they come? No, bro. If you don't <laughs> shut the fuck up, uh, for people that know me, they know that, um, I have very varied tastes and my style is different. You know what I mean? Like the things that I'm into. So look, man, everyone's different. And I love to see, I'm glad that we brought this up because if you look at like different subcultures, um, within like the American culture back in the day, like I grew up, uh, into things that stereotypically black dudes weren't supposed to be into, you know what I mean? Skateboarding, punk rock, heavy metal. And, uh, I used to get clown for it back in the day. Now, everybody wants to be a skater. Everybody wants to dress like a skater. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, you see, um, like Wayne. Wayne, you know, uh, definitely embraced the culture. Um, and he, like, he skates now, and I guess he's trying to like become more legit at it. But what I'm saying is, is like, you see how, uh, a lot of these subcultures are starting to fuse and now it's not like taboo anymore. Mm-hmm. But 15 years ago, I used to have to fight, you know, to, to, to prove that I wasn't fake, yeah. you know what I mean? Or to, to stand up on my own too, you know? So, um, but yeah, man, you know, like the, the whole talking white thing, it just, it kind of kills me when I, when I hear that term, uh, because again, I don't think it's something that's specific to white people, you know, but yeah, no. Um, so when I was watching that video, I think they had mentioned people going or doing phone interviews. Mm-hmm. 
and I forget the ratios, but it was like seven out of 10 people that, um, tried to portray themselves in a different manner than mm-hmm. the way that they normally spoke were more successful sure. or they were able to get secure the job. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I was thinking about that, a couple things came to mind. One was the professionalism. Like we talked about, mm-hmm. it's, it's like going, you go to work. If you were to wear maybe what you're wearing right now to a business meeting with C-level executives, mm-hmm. they'd probably tell you to leave. Mm-hmm. Um, so you wear a suit, you wear a tie, nice shoes, you make sure your hair is right, you're mm-hmm. shaved up, you know, whatever. That's not a white thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, so the way that you talk, the way that you portray yourself, again, is something you do to portray yourself as a professional. Sure. It's not to portray yourself as a white person or, you know, I, I agree with you a hundred percent. It's not a white thing. It's not a race thing. It's a professional thing. It's, uh, um, portraying yourself in a, in the setting, adapting to whatever setting you're in to make yourself successful. Like, I don't know the whole term talking white, like you said, it, to me, it doesn't make sense either. It's, um, I think everybody does the chameleon act in their life. You have to, in order, in order to be, uh, I don't mean to cut you off, but in order to be successful, in order to, uh, break into different areas or aspects in terms of your goals and the things that you're trying to accomplish, you have to, you got to learn how to play the game, right? Especially, and I'm going to take this one step further. Um, especially being a black man in America, right? And the reason why I say that is because there's a lot of things that I have to combat and like uh, um, abstract things, mm-hmm. uh, intangibles, before I even get a chance for someone to get to know me, right? Because of those preconceived notions that you talked about earlier. Sure. Somebody automatically, if they're not, um, they don't have a lot of exposure around, you know, black people, they're going to think, oh man, dude, you said in the first episode, like bigger black dudes have a, the perception of being, you know, aggressive or, you know, intimidating or whatever. And, uh, you know what I mean? Like you have to adapt because if, if, if you don't, then you're going to feed into that stereotype or that fear and then it's going to work against you. Mm-hmm. I'm not afraid of you. I know you're not. Okay. But what I'm saying is, is, um, for me or for people in my position, they, that chameleon act is very advantageous. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But not. Black people aren't the only ones that are chameleons. That's all no, no, no. I'm trying to say. Yeah, no, no, yeah. I, I don't want it to be misconstrued. No, I mean, I think the way that I perceive what you were just saying was, as a black person, there's hurdles in life that you have to um, overcome mm-hmm. because of the things of history. Mm-hmm. Racism, um, just the stigmatisms and... Um, stereotypes of being mm. a black person um, that sticks with you regardless of how far along we come mm. with certain people. Sure. So you have to um, be able to adapt to whatever place you're in probably more than the average person because of being a black person. Mm. Yeah. That, that, I, that's the way I perceive what you were No, saying. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a pretty good way to... Uh, you know, kind of create a synopsis for it. Um, so just to backtrack a little bit though, um, 
there's nothing wrong with that though. There's nothing wrong with uh, uh, adapting, right? If you like, kind of want to get deep and kind of go into like the biological side of it, um, that's how species survive: adaptation, right? Absolutely. So, you know, if you don't adapt to your environment, your habitat, the predators around you, whatever the case is, you're going to go extinct. Yeah, it's right. It's almost a, a way to grow. I mean, it is a way to grow. Mm-hmm. If, um, if person A grows up in uh, the ghetto, and they are stuck in the ghetto, and they they don't have a lot of money, they struggle, broken family, um, and they don't have the opportunity to um, learn and be around different types of people and um, go to different types of jobs and, and things like that, they get stuck in that place because there's not an opportunity for them to get out of it, right? Sure. Um, so when people have the opportunity, you know, to speak to a different person, I, I do it all the time. I talk to you. I talk to um, some of the friends and stuff that that I meet, and they're completely outside of what I grew up around, the way mm-hmm. that I talked, um, the cultures and things like that. And I pick up on words, mm-hmm. um, phrases, and um, it, you know, it's just friends being friends and, and horsing around and, and stuff like that. But it's still, um, I'm, I'm learning, and it's it's culture. Like that's who you guys are. That's who um, your friends are. You know, mm-hmm. when I say you guys, are not black people, I'm saying no, you, yeah, got, yeah. you guys as a group of friends. <clears throat> and it's probably more pertinent to say we had a get together last night, and he met um, some more of my circle of friends. So. That's, I'm assuming yeah, that's yeah, what absolutely, that. yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I pick up on things. I say different things, phrases and things like that. That you wouldn't say around a C-level executive. Would not say around a C-level right. executive. Might not even say around my family. Mm-hmm. Like, they just wouldn't get what I was saying. Sure. And they'd think I was an idiot if I said it or, you know. And that is an example of being a chameleon. Exactly. Right. But, so. I, but it's a positive growth. And, and, and that's, a, that's a problem because not all people see that. It, that that's a gap. It's a I bridged a gap with people that I might not normally hang out with mm-hmm. or have the opportunity to hang out with. And when you can, you know, create that bond of friendship, and you you make those adaptations, a chameleon, whatever you want to call it. <clears throat> got some cotton mouth, man. Dude, I got something in my throat, <laughs> and it won't go away. And not it's the first not time. what you're gonna say. <laughs> you bastard. Um, but anyway, I'm, I grow as a person and that's a good thing. It's not, it's not a white thing. It's not a race thing. It's not a, you're a black thing or they're from the islands or Jamaica or wherever they're from. It doesn't matter. It's, you talk to different people, you learn different cultures, you learn things about people and you grow as a person, you accept people and that your, your circle grows. And I think your influence grows as well too your influence grows your knowledge grows like i I learned things about jamaica i learned things about trinidad speaking with you um and and it it reverses back out to what we were talking about of quotes talking white of you talk to different people you're now talking to see like executive people you're talking to managers that run facilities Mm -hmm. and companies and all these things you're having those conversations you're learning you might have to talk a little different in a professional setting Absolutely. than you would with me or your homeboys. But that's growth. So, 
as we're kind of discussing uh, some of the advantages, right? So you we're both uh, we're both in sales, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, all of your prospects aren't the same, right? Not at all. And probably one of the most important things in terms of being successful at what we do is building rapport with mm-hmm. your prospect. You got to get right. them to buy into you, right? Before they buy anything that you are going to offer them. Sure. So in, in doing so, in building rapport, you have to find ways to meet that person on their on, on that level. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so with that being said, as I'm asking questions and trying to figure out someone and trying to figure out where I can inject uh, a way to create that bond and make that, that, that rapport a little bit deeper, um, that's where the chameleon game comes in. That's where playing the game comes in. And I think, again, for people who kind of think like that, they they get it. They get that that is going to get you very far. It's going to allow you to be in circles that you otherwise wouldn't be in. You know, it's going to afford you opportunities or meeting people or just, you know, you never know what will happen. And it sounds super cliche, but you only have one opportunity to make a, an impression on someone. Mm-hmm. So if I'm out here walking around, you know, uh, pants sagging, you know, talking however, you know. How do you talk? Well, I mean, as we're having this conversation, it, it depends on the situation. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, um, with you, like, my guard is down. Uh, we have a mutual respect. Uh, we worked together, obviously. So you know, I guess, you know me professionally, but you also know me, you know, uh, on, like, the leisure aspect as well. So, um, but no, so so what I'm saying is, is the building that rapport having that first uh, that first impression you don't get a second opportunity at that so carrying yourself in certain ways in different situations is going to allow you to navigate through this life and have a lot more advantages than someone who's stuck in one zone who you know feels that being real is contingent on how you speak you know what I'm saying so and and, and to be honest with you uh, we're going to be posting some of these links of some of the things that we're talking about so you guys can get on there take a look at the videos read some of these articles and just kind of give us some feedback as far as you know do you agree with some of these things what are your thoughts on it uh, because again it, it these are all things that affect us as a society so um, I'll post this video uh, whenever we post this episode yeah, um, I don't know. I think um, I think we both agree that the term "talking white" is a term of ignorance because it's not talking white. What is white? If you really think about it. Mm-hmm. But so so the video it was done really well. Um, oh yeah, it, I mean it, it was informative and it, yeah. it made you think outside of the box and, yeah. and bring up a lot of different things but just that term in general is yeah. it's kind of ignorant to me yeah like you said I agree with you um, but yeah there's um, I, I'm, I'm gonna have to rewatch it because I, I watched it a couple times um, early in the week I think it was mm-hmm. um, but yeah there's we're gonna post a link to that like you just said um, I think they they give you some numbers as far as uh, people interviewing and success rates and um, I think it was 
I think they did like Hispanics and Blacks. Hispanics and, and Blacks cool. basically was like uh, I forget how they. It was like um, I think they called it like urbanized or something like that. Yeah. Whatever. So basically, it was sounding white versus non-sounding white. The rates at which people successfully uh, got through some of these interviews, and so to take this one step even further, man. Um, I remember a while back there was a study based on like uh, on um, uh, em- employment applications and uh, college applications contingent on name. Hmm. So this kind of goes, you know, from like uh, linguistics to like the names of people, and they were basically saying how. Um, a John Smith had a likely had a higher chance of getting accepted for a job or uh, into college versus like a Jamal. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or like a Lakeisha, right? Yeah. So it's really interesting stuff, man. Um, let me that, ask. You, let me ask you this, and this might not apply to you because you were talking about how you were raised with your mom, um, the the way that you you spoke growing up and things like that. Was there ever like a conscious um moment when you were like you were talking to people or something like that and you realized i I need to change the way i I need to talk or um or something like that that there was like a a moment that you remember that there was like hey i'm around this type of person that does this or i need to watch the way that i'm speaking or doing things or Mm -hmm. anything like that i don't i don't don't know if i could point to one specific thing that's just how I am. I'm right, that's the way that you way. were raised and stuff, you know right? I mean? so. um, yeah, I don't know if I could really point to one specific instance because, again, like I think in terms of uh, situational intelligence, mm-hmm. for people who have that ability to do that like on the spot, you know, even before you go into a situation, um, it's not really something that I think about. It's just something that I, that I do. Like, it's so... It's just natural. It's natural. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, and no. like it's the same thing like same just to back up a little bit it's the same thing with you whenever you are uh whenever it's a pretty chill setting or you're around certain people the way that you speak changes as well sure you know what i'm saying so uh yeah i I would say the way that i speak doesn't really change but i would i can remember different times different words with words sure like y'all vernacular yeah um i remember somebody made a comment you say y'all a lot you guys say y'all a lot and so the next time I went to a meeting or whatever, I tried very hard to say you guys. You guys. Yeah. Yeah. And it's weird because y'all is, it's a Southern term yeah. and that's the way we talk, but yeah. we spoke to someone else and they say you guys, y'all yeah. is weird. So yeah, I, I say you guys, um, but I mean, in my entire life, I've probably said y'all like 30 times. <laughs> I say you guys a lot, man. Yo, uh, yo. But again, though, like the Southern culture, even though like I grew up in Texas, um, Southern culture isn't necessarily something that's like ingrained in me. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, but yeah, it's a very interesting video, man. Um, and I'd love to hear, you know, what some of the, some of our listeners think about that um, and just kind of give us your input. Yes, sir. Um, it's been fun again, man. Episode two in the books, man. In the books. Uh, I, I definitely want to thank um, some of the people that have reached out over the course of the last week uh, with you know just 
encouragement and support and the messages about, you know, um, you guys liking what we're doing, uh, you know, even some recommendations and, you know, different things to discuss. So, uh, again, we appreciate y'all listening and uh, letting us steal y'all's time for about an hour. Um, and, you know, we just want to continue to do this. So as this thing grows, we, we look forward to, you know, talking about a lot of different things that um, hopefully you guys will come back and listen to. Yeah, no, we, we appreciate you guys. I want to give a special thanks to a couple friends of ours, um, Ashley Minter and Megan. Um, I think, when was this? About a year and a half or so ago, um, the thought of doing a prod- podcast came to me. Um, something I started putting some thought to. And I was talking to uh, Megan and Ashley and told them this is kind of what I wanted to do. Wasn't sure what I was going to do, how I was going to do it. And about that time, I had reached out to you and said, hey, this is an idea I have. You know, would you be interested in doing it? And we talked about it and it kind of became. Um, but they, they actually bought me a couple of mics for the podcast for my birthday. So uh, special thanks to them for yeah, kind of that. pushing that forward and um, the feedback you guys have for us. I appreciate you. So with that being said, guys, y'all have a good week, man. Um, what I want to start doing uh, this is totally off the fly. But what I want to start doing is maybe like before we cut out, just kind of leaving you guys with a little bit of wisdom. You know what I mean? Like uh, as you go into your workplaces and these different groups and different sets that that we're all a part of, um, it's not hard to be a decent person. You know what I mean? Let's just try our best to understand everybody's going through some something. Um, just be a, just be a good person, man. If you can help someone, help them. If it's within your power to help them, absolutely. Right. Learn something. Have a conversation. Talk to someone who you wouldn't, you know. Uh, um, I challenge you to spark the conversation up with someone who you traditionally may not, or someone who you have preconceived notions with. Learn. Right. And and you're not gonna love everything that the person says. No. Nah. And you're not gonna agree with everything. You're that not gonna become says. their best friend. You, you might, or you might. You might become best friends. You might even like not like the guy yeah. or the person. Yeah. But it, it'll give you the chance to have grow some respect for somebody that you normally wouldn't speak with. Absolutely. So go into the world. Let's put good energy uh, and vibrations out into the universe, and let's start loving each other, y'all. Okay. Arriba, Dirty. Ciao, Bella. Peace. Adios.